0: Let's go to uh, Revelation, uh, and we are going to start in chapter 2. And I, w- I wanted to do just a quick recap or maybe some clarifications from uh, last week, if I could. Um, so, uh, and all this stems from a conversation I had with a, a brother after, uh, uh, the clarifications I'm going to make all st- most, mostly stem from a, a conversation I had with a brother after class, um, that I thought brought up some really good stuff and I wanted to make sure that I addressed it or, or uh, talked about it generally um and I'm not gonna I won't call the person out because it's that's not fair but uh when I talked to them they said um you know I I was really excited when I saw that that uh you were teaching this class because it's a, cl- a subject I'm interested in but it sounds like we're going to disagree a whole lot um which of course is fine um and, and that's what I said I, I guess I, I want to encourage you if. Um, but it, the book doesn't say, um, "Come, let us all get together and agree completely." It says, "Come, let us reason together." Right? I, I, I'm just, I'm just some guy. So if, if I, you know, if you disagree with something I say, come up and let's talk about it. And like it, the the unfairest, uh, uh, the thing that is unfairest to you as an audience. Uh, and the thing that is unfairest to me as a teacher is if I say something that you disagree with, and then we don't talk about it, um, right? Because the ultimate, the ultimate point is to come to like to figure out what this this uh, enormously powerful. Uh, you know, this is the word of life. This uh, this is all we know about the mind of God. This and what we can read in nature. So it it means a lot. It is, it is vitally important that we come to an understanding about it. So if you disagree with me, please, please, please come to the class, first of all. Uh, but second of all, please let me know. Um, and then second, this, this brother brought up a, a couple of things that I, I uh, wanted to, to just address quickly. He, um, he asked me, uh, so do, do you think that the rapture will happen in your lifetime? Um. And boy, that's a loaded question, right? Because um, I don't know how long I'm going to live, <laughs> right? Like I—I I mean, that—that—that's—that's that's the first thing, right? That my my own life is a is an unknown quantity. Um, so how how I don't know. Um, the the real answer, of course, is how how would I know uh, if if the rapture is going to happen during my lifetime? I said it wouldn't surprise me, right? If it, I, I would not react with shock if it happened before I finished this sentence, right? Um, and it also wouldn't surprise me if people were kicking around this whole ball of dirt 10,000 years from now. It, it's up to the Lord. It's not up to me. Um, I, I do think, um, so I, I talked last week about that danger of like, having a present viewpoint, right? Everybody thinks that the age they live in is the, the end of history, Always, like that's always been true. Um, wh- why would Jesus come back? Because I'm alive. I'm, I'm just some guy, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, I, th- that, th- I, I, but I thought that was worth addressing or worth talking about, that, that kind of idea. And then finally, I made the statement last week uh, that there's no Bible code. Stop, stop looking for a Bible code. Um, there's no secret hidden message in the Bible. Um, it's, it is it is what it says it is. Um, and he said, uh, he directed me to the works of a guy named Chuck Missler. Chuck is a, a pastor and theologian. He has a YouTube channel. He's a pastor of a big church, and he's a, also a data scientist. Um, and um, part of his work, well, a lot of his work is just the kind of hermeneutical teaching I, that I'm trying to do, like expository teaching I'm trying to do. Um, but Part of his work is is uh, showing, like through a statistical analysis of the language that's used in the Bible, um, that it it can't have been written just by people. Right, like there's a an intelligence behind it that ties all these works together in this uh, this really powerful way. Um, and, and I I guess I want to cl- want to be clear when I say there is no Bible code. I don't. I mean there is no hidden knowledge that you have to know to understand and receive the word of salvation, to understand the gospel and react to it. Um, if, if Chuck Missler is right and it demonstrates that in the, 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 the statistical analysis of what's in here that's done by computers or whatever demonstrates that there's a superhuman intelligence behind the Bible, that's great, I'm all, I'm all for it. Uh, it's certain, sure, that the, the Jews didn't have access, right, the the people who wrote this didn't have access to a supercomputer. Um, so, uh, sure, I, I'm willing to uh, allow us how that, that could be true. Uh, but in the early days of the church, there was a, a, a heresy called Gnosticism. Gnosis means knowledge uh, in uh, Greek. Uh, and it was the idea that there's this hidden... Information in the Bible or in, in the scriptures that you can find, and if if you find it you 're special and, and you understand the real story uh, and I, I want to reject that completely that 's what I mean by there is no bible code so um, I, I also I, I just uh, I, so this whole thing is the gospel right the good news of christ 's coming gospel in Greek, the, the Greek word is uh, evangelion. It's not just any good news. It's the good news about a king's arrival. Um, when the king sends his messengers, they don't shout in code, right? They don't hold, they don't hold a sign that you have to decipher, right? You, that, they come and they tell you the king is here. I, I actually, um, so I was doing some reading um, on some other stuff, and there is in uh the uh, there's a small town in Turkey, Prien, where there's an inscription uh that they they dug up out of the earth uh and it has uh a dedication uh to Augustus Augustus was the emperor uh, of the Roman Empire at the time he was the first Roman emperor uh and it says Uh, the dedication says, It seemed good to the Greeks of Asia in the opinion of the high priest Apollonius, who said, Since Providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue, that he might benefit mankind, sending him as our Savior, both for us and our descendants, that he might end every war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance... Surpasses all previous benefactors, and doesn't er, even—I'm paraphrasing—and doesn't leave to to the future any hope of surpassing what he has done. This is the important part. And since the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the gospel for the world that came by reason of him, which Asia resolved in Smyrna. Now, uh, Augustus Caesar was not God, although the Roman Senate passed a resolution that said he was. but, right, that, that it's not, the, the good news, a gospel, is not hi- a hidden thing. It's something that you put on an inscription in the middle of the town and shout from the rooftops, the king is here. There's a, there's a new power that has arrived. And so I, I, I want to make clear to you that, um, I mean, in the, revel- it, the Revelation, the title is about revealing things. It's not called the hiding, it's called the Revelation. It's about uncovering stuff. So let's go ahead and turn, if we would, to Revelation chapter two. You'll recall uh, that John, uh, the author, uh, he was uh, it says he was in the spirit uh, on the Lord's day, and he heard a voice as of many rushing waters. And he turns around and he sees, um, he sees this angelic figure. He sees a being who looks very strange. Right? He has. Uh, uh, gemstone-like skin, and his, his eyes are burning, um, It's super scary, uh, and the, this uh, voice starts to speak to him, and it says to, uh, it's in the middle of seven stars, uh, or he has seven stars in his hands, and he's standing amidst these seven, these seven golden candlesticks, uh, and he says, uh, introduces himself, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and this is verse 18 of chapter 1, And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So we got three things. He says, write down what was in the past, write down what's happening now, write down what's going to be in the future. Uh, And then he tells them, he says, uh, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. Uh, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So there are these seven churches. Got this map from Logos. Um, so this is the seven churches that are addressed um, in the, the, the book of Revelation. Um, there's a, a the little circle here is This is where uh, John is uh, in exile on Patmos. Um, and then the seven churches are uh, in on the mainland of Asia Minor, uh, and it says, um, "I need you to write to these churches." And the the angel uh, of the seven churches, the, it, we I said this last week, but I want to emphasize this again. The the angel is it means messenger here, um, and it's as nice as it would be to think that there's an angel that kind of administers every church or is like watching out for our church, and that could be true. it would be nice if it was, but uh, it, in this context, it probably means the guy standing in the pulpit. It probably means the pastor. Um, so r- right away, right, this mystery is created around it, like this symbolic, it, it's kind of strange, right? There's this symbol, the symbolism that's happening where there are these seven lampstands and these seven stars, and the, immediately uh, the speaker is like, well, let me tell you what the mystery means. And he spells it out for him. So, chapter two. Uh, And he's going to address each of these in turn. Uh, It says, under the, uh, well, um, Ephesus is right here. And I know this is hard to see, uh, so I apologize. But um, as we go through here, each of these churches is addressed in turn. This is the order. And Interestingly, that's exactly, if you were going to go from Patmo, or if you were going to go, if you were going to land in Ephesus and then go to Laodicea, this is the exact route you would take, uh, because there are mountains here. So if you were going to go over roads, that's the way you would go. Ephesus uh, is the hub, though. It's it's a great deep water port, probably the greatest port in all of Asia at that time, or all of Turkey at that time. Um... It's also a place, right, where Paul ministered. Remember that this is the place where he figured out. um, So Paul had this pattern, right? He'd he'd go to a town. He'd go to the synagogue. uh, And he'd say, congratulations, Jews. Jesus came. Here's here's what that means. And they would be like, what? And they'd kick him out. Uh, And so he'd go next door to the marketplace or down to the river if, you know, in, in... uh Philippi went down to the river and he would he would talk to the people there uh and then usually they would beat him up and throw him in jail, and then he would leave right so he had this this continual pattern of like how he would uh interact with people in these cities that he went to. Paul sounds like a fun guy um but Ephesus is where he learned maybe that 's not the most efficient way to do things. Uh, and he, he rented out the hall um, of a, a, a gentleman there, and he began to teach there, and people would come to him. Uh, so you find things like him writing a letter to the church in Colossae later, um, and he never, never says that he went to Colossae. They came to him, and somebody came to him, learned from him, and then went and formed that church. Um, so that's, that's Ephesus. Also, uh, the, so we don't have any biblical account of John of. Uh, John, uh, the recipient of, of the Revelation, being in Ephesus. But by, but by long tradition, uh, the Apostle John was the bishop of Ephesus. He was the leader of that church for a long time. And we know that from historical accounts by guys like Polycarp. So like early church fathers are writing and saying, well, I was there when he was teaching. I was there when he was the bishop of Ephesus. So there's, there's this strong association between Ephesus uh, and John. Okay, so chapter two, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these, see, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works, and we're going to have a pattern here, I'm sorry, I keep ignoring my outline, which I've somehow lost, there it is, um, so we're going to have a structure in each of these letters right, or each of these short letters. Each one's going to be pretty much the same, and it's going to say, they are going to be words of commendation, like, hey, I noticed this, you're doing a good job. There are going to be words of condemnation, right, a- and I noticed that you're doing this, and it's not so great, right, and then finally, there's going to be an exhortation or call to action for each of them. Um, there are only two, two examples where that's not true. The church in Smyrna doesn't get any condemnation, the church in Laodicea. And Laodicea doesn't get any praise, uh, but we'll we'll address those uh, as we go through. Um, I also, this is what I get for ignoring my outline, right? I always always go with your outline, John. Um, so I re, I clarified from last week. I recapped a bit. Um, I I want to uh, so points one C and D. Um, I'll go to D first because why not? Um, The theme of this. Remember, I always want you to leave with a sentence or a a concept, a, a way that if somebody comes to you and they say, "What what is the Book of Revelation about?" you can say in one sentence what it's about. And what it's about is that the Lamb overcomes the systems of the world. All the time. That's that's literally the theme of it. Jesus is the kingdom always defeats the empire. Every time. Um, and then jumping up to C, uncivil worship, because I really skipped over this last week. Um, the, uh, I, I said last week, and it's true, that in the ancient world, like we, we have this concept of uh, religion as being very separate from politics. And in fact, we start to get super uncomfortable uh, if the two are mixed together in any real and significant way. Um, you, you could not be that way in the ancient world. It was impossible. So this is, uh, this is an inscription, uh, again, found in Asia Minor. Um, and again, uh, it is uh, related to Caesar Augustus, um, who wrote a... Um, so imagine having this much power. He, he wrote a, a, a short work in Latin called uh, the Res Gestae. That means the things that I did. Uh, And he had it printed up on two, or inscribed on two huge brass monuments, uh, pillars in Rome. And then he had a copy made in the capital of every province uh, and every major port uh, in the ancient world that where Rome had reach. Um, And I want to read a little bit of it to you because it, it will emphasize to you the extent to which you cannot separate religion from politics in the ancient world. It is impossible. Um, the, notice the, the part that's cut off there, res gesti diwi Augusti, means uh, these are the things that the god Augustus did. Um, so this is, this is what, what it says um, it says a copy is set out below of the achievements of the divine Augustus by which he brought the world under the empire of the Roman people and of the expenses which he bore for the state and people of Rome. The original is engraved on two bronze pillars set up at Rome. And he starts, at the age of 19, on my own responsibility and at my own expense, I raised an army with which I successfully championed the liberty of the Republic when it was oppressed by a faction. On that account, the Senate passed decrees in my honor, enrolling me as a senator and assigning me the right to give my opinion Uh, and giving me the imperium. So uh, basically they made me a senator and they said they would vote however I voted for the rest of my life. So uh, it ordered me as a general to provide in concert with the consuls that the republic should come to no harm. Uh, In the same year when both consuls had fallen in battle, so the people I was working with both died. Oh, that's convenient. Um, (laughs) They... uh, Appointed me consul and Triumvir for the organization of the Republic. So, goes on and talks about all the things he did, all the money he spent, uh, how, uh, how rich he was. Says, my name was inserted, and this is what I'm getting at. My name was inserted in the hymn of the Salii by a decree of the Senate. So, the Salii are priests of Mars. Uh, and they have this, right? So it would be like saying, uh, it'd be like George Bush or Barack Obama saying, they inserted, I, the Senate ordered that my name would be inserted into Amazing Grace. Um, and it was enacted by law that my person should be divine forever. Right? They, they literally passed a law that said he was God. I declined to be made high priest. Well, why would you need to be? Uh, in the place of my colleague who was still alive. And then he goes on. The Senate consecrated the altar of fortune before the temples of honor and virtue at the Porta Capena in honor of my return. And it ordered that the priests and priestesses should make an annual sacrifice there on the anniversary of my return to the city from Syria. Uh, and it named the day, uh, that particular day, uh, after me. So, <laughs> um, and it goes on and on and on and on for some time. Uh, but he, um, he continues and he talks about all of the temples that he consecrated. Uh, I built the Senate House and the Chalcedium adjacent to it, the Temple of Apollo on the Palatine, uh, the Temple of the Divine Julius, the Temple of the Wolf, the Portico of the Flaminian Circus. Uh, I, I built a temple on the Capitol to, to Jupiter and Jupiter the Thunderer. Uh, to, to Minerva and Queen Judah and Queen Juno, uh, and he goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, so the way that you gained favor in the ancient world, right the, the idea that you would even ever separate politics from your religion, right? Uh, to, to, to act politically was to act religiously. Right? to vote was an act of, of um, worship to these gods, uh, all of them uh, and you were called upon at various times to make sacrifices to the emperor, to to admit that he was a god. Um, The the Jews escaped that. uh, And the reason they escaped that was they agreed to pray for him. They said, well, and they were recognized as like this ethnic religion that was allowed to do that. But Christians had no such claim. So let's continue. Uh, So let's go back to the scriptures. I'm sorry. Uh, That's important because we're going to talk about the the overall theme of these letters uh, when we get to the end of them. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Remember, one of the things Paul always struggled with in Corinth and in many other places was that people would show up and claim to be apostles um, or you know, to have the same authority that he did. And he, he was constantly having to fight against that. Uh, and these folks at Ephesus uh, are very good at weeding out that kind of uh, lying. Verse three, and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not faltered. Nevertheless, right, so words of, words of uh, uh, commendation followed by words of condemnation. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy, can- thy, thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. So a couple observations here. One, this is a common experience. Right, um, many of you have been Christians for many years, right? And there are mountaintop experiences, right? There are spiritual highs, there are deep valleys, um, but after a while, it all seems kind of rote. Sometimes, right? It, it all seems like, eh, you gonna go to church? today? Eh, maybe I don't know. Um, right? It, it is easy. Right, and that when you, you move past that, that passion that you have for the Word and for God early on uh, in your time as a Christian uh, to fall, and that's true of churches as well, and it was true of this church. Um, I was reading a commentary on this, and the, the commentator noted that uh, Ephesus is in Turkey, um, right, and Turkey today is 98% Muslim, uh, and most of the people who attend church in modern day Ephesus are from their expats from Nigeria or from other places. They're not, they're not Turkish, right? They're not people who come from Asia Minor. Uh, so you have to wonder whether God didn't remove the lampstand, right? As he said he would, right? He'd take away their church. Uh, verse six, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, at this point, you should ask yourself, well, what's in, what's in Nicolaitan? <laughs> um, and and, and nobody, nobody really quite knows. Um, the, it, is, it is definitely a sect, of uh, a, a heretical sect. They believe something uh, that's, that's gotten under the speaker's skin. Um, and the, the evidence from later on in Revelation and from early church fathers suggests that they were people um, who... Uh, they, uh, they believed that uh, in a, an idea called antinomianism, which which is a long way of saying you can do whatever you want, right? God, if if God likes forgiven me so much, I I guess I'll oblige Him. Is kind of, is kind of the idea? Um, like, there's no, um, there are no limits to what we can or cannot do. Uh, behaviorally, like there's no sanctification in their idea. Um, and so you find them uh, engaging with temple prostitutes. You find them doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and these are these are the folks maybe who wouldn't have a problem saying, well, I got to pay my taxes. And to go pay the, my taxes, you got to make a sacrifice to the emperor. Whatever, I'll go do it. Um, that there is in their... And we'll see again later, but because uh, they're referred to again, but the the idea is one of compromise, right? Of um, joining with the world. Verse seven: He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Second. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, right these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan. Remember, this is also something that Paul struggled with continually, right? Is uh, what what, a lot of modern pastors and preachers call call Judaizers, Judaizers, right? It's people who are... um, Jews within the ch- who are maybe they're within the church and they're like no th- this should really look a whole lot more like Judaism than it does right you guys need to, you y'all need to get circumcised you need to follow the kosher laws you need to do all, all of the things that you would do as a good Jew if you're going to be a Christian um and of course that got decided conclusively at the council of Jerusalem um where kind of the great divorce between Christianity and Judaism happened, right? It, it was it was decided there the law is not obligatory, right? You you don't have to get circumcised if you're a Gentile. Um, can, can you imagine if <laughs> if Tony was up here preaching and he's like, if you get saved afterwards, we've got a room in the back <laughs> where uh, we have uh, somebody on staff. Maybe Chris will help you out. Um <laughs> Uh, so uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall, tri- ye sh- ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and ten days here is symbolic. Uh, seven is the number of perfection, and ten is more than that. So it means you're going you're to be persecuted for a long, long time. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So this is especially important for Smyrna. This is a martyr church, um, and we we know this from the church fathers, from early church history. Uh, this church was under attack uh, almost from the moment of its inception. Uh, it's uh, Polycarp, who was a bishop there uh, in about 150 uh, was martyred um, many others uh, prior to that were martyred as well. Polycarp's a good story um, he uh, was discipled by John uh, according to his own account uh, and when they, uh, when, they uh, when the authorities tied him up and were going to burn him, they gave him a chance to renounce. he was 86 years old, which is very old for for that you know that that era of the world, and they said, uh, we really don't want to burn an 86-year-old man. So maybe if you could just give up this nonsense, uh, we would we won't burn you. And he said, um, I've known the Lord for 40 years, and He's never disowned me. And they and they burned him right. But that's the kind of strong faith that existed in Smyrna. It's also the reason they don't get any condemnation here. I'm sure they did things that were wrong. Uh, I'm also sure that, that Jesus was giving them a pass here because they were a church under attack. They were, they were a martyr church from the very beginning. Let's go to verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, right? These things saith he which hath the this, this sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. So a little context here. Um, the... Uh, the, the town of Pergamos, uh, two things about it. Uh, one, it had one of the greatest libraries of the ancient world. There were three great libraries in the ancient world. One, one was in Alexandria, Egypt. The other was in Ephesus. And the last one was in Pergamos. Pergamos is where paper was invented, which I didn't know until today. Um, but you know, before that, you would write on sheets of flattened plant matter. Um, this is like the first industrial process of like making actual paper. Or you would write on hides. It's also where the book was invented. like A book like this one instead of a scroll. It's why I can, it's why I can teach you in 40 minutes instead of 16 hours because I have to crawl through the scroll or memorize it. Um, it also was the home of an enormous temple to Zeus. Uh, it wasn't the center of Zeus' worship in the, ancient, or in, in the Roman Empire, but it had a, a renowned temple to Zeus. And that's, that's what he means when he says, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in the, those days wherein Antipas was my faithful mar- martyr. We don't know anything about Antipas other than that he was martyred and he lived in Smyrna. Or I'm sorry, and that he lived in, in Pergamos who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, and this is where the the Nicolaitans come up again. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, uh, which, which thing I hate, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth save he that receiveth it. Um, so just a couple words of context. Uh, often, uh, at, uh, often at uh, athletic contests or uh similar uh events uh in ancient in the ancient greek world uh, you would be given a stone uh that was carved in a certain way uh in order to get into the victor 's feast right that 's kind of cool right he'll give you a you you'll have your ticket um a, as far as uh gosh i don 't even know if i have time may, may I go on for three minutes longer than then 739, okay. Um, so this reference to the sin of Balaam, most of you are going to remember this probably from your, your reading in the Old Testament. Uh, the Israelites are, and I'm, we're not gonna turn to it because it would just take too long. Um, maybe we'll do that next week. But um, the Israelites uh, are uh, during the, this is in the book of Numbers, but they're returning, right, back to the Holy Land. Uh, during the, the events of the Exodus, uh, and they, they need to cross through Moab. And everybody's super scared of them, right? Because they've heard, like, don't, don't cross these guys. They've got special supernatural powers on their side. So- they, they've got real power. Um, do, do not do anything to them. Um, and the king of Moab, Balak, he's like, All right, well, I, I need to enlist some supernatural juice of my own. And he goes to this prophet, Balaam, uh, and asks Balaam to, uh, to curse uh, the children of Israel. Uh, and there's a long story. It involves a talking donkey. It's very fun. Uh, but um, it, it, it doesn't work out so well. Uh, but what happens after that uh, is that Balak figures out, well, if you, can't, if you can't beat them, just love them to death. And he sends, sends the women of Moab into the camp, uh, and uh, they, you know, (laughs) they seduce the men of Israel, and uh, during that process, right, the men of Israel start to worship the gods of the Moabites, uh, and it it creates this this fracture in the Israelite nation. Um, So the idea here is, we don't know how bad it got uh, in Pergamos. We don't know but it it suggests right that the the sin of the Nicolations or the doctrine of the Nicolations is the idea um that it's that you can live however you want right you you um in this culture at this time um like cult prostitution sex um just any kind of hedonistic activity you can think of was, inter, was, was in, in intertwined with worship in this, in this really, really, um, you, you can't unlink them to these people, to this culture. Uh, and so it, it's not hard to imagine people coming into the, the, the church at Pergamos and saying, what, what's going on here? Uh, are we going to have the love the love feast, and then uh, are there are there cult prostitutes? How does this temple work, right? And and the Christians who are there are like, that's not no, that's not how this works. <laughs> and they're like explaining it to. They're like what? Um, and so it, it the the idea of the Nicolaitans and and these folks who were following this error of Balaam. Uh, the idea is that they were compromising with the culture, right? They're, they're living side by side with a culture that is hedonistic, that it, that associates religious life with, uh, all kinds of sexual immorality. And they were like, I guess, let's, let's follow the dominant culture. Let's, let's act as, as they do. Um, and we'll get into this next week. Uh, but I want to suggest to you that, uh, in these letters and the rest of the letters, which we'll go through very quickly next week, the, the remaining three, um, what you're seeing is that the theme is, are, are you going to be like the culture? Are you going to be like the world? Are you, are you going to compromise with the, the way that, that the, the Roman imperial cult the, the, the pagan cults around you. The, this is just the same dilemma as from Judges and all the Old Testament all over again, right? You live side by side with these people. I'm telling you, be separate from them, be different. Are you gonna be or are you not? Because if you're gonna be like them, you're not being faithful,